If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DevRagar Personal Finance, episode 117. And in this episode, we will explore the concept of automation and then go on to examples on whether it is possible with ETFs and also specifically discuss the Vanguard Personal Investor Service and their cheeky admin fee. What is it? How does it affect your investments? And why I'm not affected by this despite being a VG customer for a long time. For those of you that are new to the channel, there are three main aims. The first one is to be educated. To be educated means to improve your financial literacy And that leads to the second aim, and that is to be empowered, to be empowered to be able to take this knowledge to your appropriate credentialed financial advisor or planner or accountant so you can talk at a level that you can understand in. And the third E is to be entertained. Just a disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, nor am I a financial planner. Make sure you take any financial decisions you want to make to your appropriate credential advisors In other words, don't listen to some random guy ranting on the internet. But if you're looking to some broad principles and some simple steps to get you on the right track when it comes to saving, investing, and personal finances in general, in my humble view, there are five easy steps which anybody could follow. Step one is pay yourself first. Take 20% of after-tax income and put it aside. You are the most important person in your life. Step two is invest that money, ideally into something you understand or want to understand. For me, I understand index funds and the stock market, so I just buy index funds. Step three is reinvest dividends wherever possible. The power of compounding by reinvesting your dividends is phenomenal. And step four, my favorite, is do it for the long term, not five, 10 or 15 years. For me, long term means at least 20 30, if not 40 plus years. And step five, what we're going to talk about today is automate. Wherever possible, try and automate your investments and do it forever. If you do these five simple steps over the long term, you're more likely to end up with more money than you'll ever need. And remember, money is just a tool. It doesn't bring happiness. Use it as a tool to make your life a little bit better, but most importantly, the lives of people around you a lot better. Now, let's get to a relevant question about automation from a keen listener who asks, Hi, Dev, you mentioned about automating your investments via Vanguard. Is there a way to do this with their personal investor service? And do you think Vanguard personal investor service is any good? Thanks for the podcasts. I'm learning heaps. Now, thanks, Anonymous, for the question. Uh, first of all, I'm not a financial advisor, so I can't recommend a particular product or service. And just a disclaimer, I am a Vanguard customer. So make sure you research yourself and make sure you take anything you learn from these episodes to your appropriate accountant or financial planner or advisor. 
Now, before I answer your question specifically, we need to define automation. What does it mean and why it's very powerful in personal finance? Automation may already be happening in your life when it comes to investments. Superannuation is an example of an automated investment. You get a job, you get paid super, usually monthly or quarterly, into your nominated super account. You don't need to do anything else. In fact, if you just maximised your super, for most Australians, that is enough for you to retire comfortably, provided you work on the income side of the equation and take advantage of all the tax advantages of superannuation concessions and non-concessional contributions, etc. In episode 13, uh, which is way back, I discuss superannuation in detail if you are interested in it. Now, the concept of automation just means you need a way to split your money into your allocated budget as automatically as possible. It becomes a bit more difficult for variable income families, but for fixed income families, it's a no-brainer. Uh, UpBank has an app which does it, and I've just heard from one of my listeners that Beam is an expense splitter for those interested in splitting your expenses. Now, most net banks uh, in Australia monitor recurring payments and it automatically comes up in your net bank, so it's an easy way of automating your payments. Now, here's how I do it. I know when I get paid, and the payment is roughly the same most weeks, and I get paid weekly or fortnightly depending on the pay cycle. As mentioned, superannuation is automated into my super account by the employer and it goes straight from my employer to the superannuation account. So that's easy and that's done. And that's the traditional 9.5%. Now, my after-tax income then goes into my bank account and that night I've calculated roughly 20% of after-tax income because I have a fairly fixed income uh, and 20% of after-tax income basically goes um, straight into my index fund accounts. And that goes straight into my Vanguard index fund accounts. Um, and that's pretty much it. That's done and dusted. I do that first thing. And the remaining 80% is what I have to spend on my utilities and my expenses and um, anything else that I wish to spend it on. Now, if you have a mortgage payment, you may wish to split that 80% and take away that mortgage payment and put it into an offset or redraw or keep it in your savings for that payment. Or you may just wish to take 30% of your income and then split it into another account. Um, again, auto pay feature is useful and that becomes your expense account. So you just take 20% of your after-tax income and you invest it straight away. And essentially the 80%, you can split it into whatever way you want. Now I use 30% expenses and 30% mortgage and 20% luxury items and I just split it and essentially, um, and that's all sort of automated based on my fixed income. So you can do this online by having multiple accounts uh, where each account represents a specific purpose. Uh, then it just makes it easier to visualize your budget more easily. Now, note that the investment side of things, the 20% pay yourself money goes straight into investments and that happens before anything else. That is the most important thing that you need to do. Now, Abby Tungle, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, um, has written an excellent piece on interleavingeffect.com where he talks about how he automates his finances. A uh, shout out to Abby if you're listening. I'll leave the link in the show notes for anyone interested. Now, you can automate all of your financial life uh, or you can just automate the investment sides. 
but you need to work out a systems-based approach to finances. And this is not dissimilar to doctors who approach patients in a systematic way. Now, if you get a road trauma, you start with a trauma call or a trauma alert, you prepare before the patient arrives, you do your final checks, you get your handover from the paramedics, and you have a systematic airway, C-spine, breathing, circulation, disability, which is your primary survey, you have a systematic approach and you need to fix each problem as you go. Often there's a team leader who is either a surgeon or a lead ED doctor. And in most rural settings, it's a GP who's on call who team leads these road trauma calls. And the team leader approaches the situation in a methodical, systematic way, all the while maintaining a helicopter view of the situation. Now, I've spoken about these scenarios in the past with previous episodes of trying to relate your financial life to your working life. So if you have a systematic way of approaching your working life, then that's the way that you should approach your financial life as well. Um, And I think that's just a very uh, simple concept. So I think finances should be approached, in my humble view, in the same way, a methodical, systematic way. Now, another way of looking at it is, you know, championship teams don't win championships by accident. Wealthy people don't accidentally become wealthy. Now, even the person who plays the lotto has a strategy. They play the lotto. That's their strategy. If they win, that's it. So when you have a financial strategy and when you try and automate as much as you possibly can, the end result can be very, very powerful. Now to answer the question in more broader terms, And the question was more about Vanguard Personal Investor Service. Is it any good? Look, I mean, again, I'm not a financial planner or advisor, so I'm not allowed to recommend any products. So please don't take this as a recommendation. And please accept the fact that I use Vanguard. So that's an open disclosure. Now, I started investing with Vanguard quite a while ago when uh, Personal Investor Service didn't exist. And basically, you chose either a retail ETF or index fund or wholesale ETFs or index funds. And the term retail and wholesale can be quite misleading. Basically, if you had a substantial amount of money to get started, you chose the wholesale funds. And I think the minimum amount was around half a million dollars. Uh, If you had about $5,000, then you chose the retail funds. So the difference in the retail and wholesale was basically based on how much money you had to start investing. And the funds are exactly the same. Uh, They have the same holdings, but the fee structure was slightly different. Uh, Vanguard had high management fees for retail funds. Basically, the entry cost was lower. And lower management fees for wholesale funds where the entry costs were much higher. And since 2020, Vanguard have migrated to their personal investor service. And this does not affect people like me who've been with their older systems, except the online platform is a bit more nicer to use. So I don't have a Vanguard personal investor service account because I've been their customer for a long time before that account existed. So I've just chosen to be with their wholesale funds because it was a lot easier for me at the time that I joined. For any new investors though, they sign you up to the personal investor service account. And this is basically their flagship brokerage service, where all the ETFs and index funds, which are Vanguard-based, can be bought using this service. And for all their ETFs, 
There is no brokerage. They don't charge a brokerage if you have a Vanguard personal investor service account. Now, the management fees are reset. So there's no retail or wholesale uh, accounts anymore. This is basically just a personal investor accounts, which means that you don't have a high bar of entrance to access their wholesale rates. That is, their management fees are all the same now. So the management fee is just fixed and it's the cheapest that you can get. So for example, if you wanted to invest in VAS in the old system, then you would buy the retail ETF VAS, which might have a management fee of 0.7% or whatever it was. I'm just making these figures up. And if you had a lot of money to invest and joined up to their wholesale account, then the management fee may be just 0.1% back in the day. But with the personal investor account, it doesn't matter how much money that you have, you still get access to the 0.1% MER ratio management fund. So overall, um, the fund fees have actually been significantly reduced and they've eliminated all the retail fund fees essentially. Um, now with the Vanguard personal investor account, my understanding is you can still buy non-Vanguard ETFs and individual company stocks so because it's still a brokerage account. But if you did a non-Vanguard uh, ETF or or company, they charge brokerage uh, based on how much you want to buy. So just remember with the Vanguard personal investor account, brokerage free transactions is only for their Vanguard products, not for all of the stocks and ETFs out there. Now, there's also this really annoying what they call an admin fee, which is around 0.2% of your portfolio or $600 maximum per year, whichever is the lowest cost. And I think they're really trying to do this very similar to the superannuation funds that have this sort of admin fee, because Vanguard is going to get into super. Uh, and my understanding is it may happen this year or next year, depending on some of the media releases that I've read. So let's use an example to calculate the total fees. Um, if you bought VAS, for example, which is equivalent to the ASX 300, via Vanguard Personal Investor Service, and the portfolio is, let's say, worth around $300,000. Now, the VAS um, has a MER of 0.1%, so that's about 300 bucks based on their $300,000 portfolio. And the admin fee is going to be 0.2% of your total portfolio, which is going to be around $600. So the total fees for the year is going to be about $900. Now, if you didn't buy VAS via Vanguard Personal Investor Account and say you bought it via a broker such as Superhero or Comsec or SelfWealth, etc., the MER is still 0.1%. Now, you still need to pay the management fees for the VAS at 0.1%. That is not free. So a lot of people misunderstand that those fees are magically gone. They're not. So the fees yearly would still be $300 from a portfolio, and that goes straight to Vanguard. Plus, whatever brokerage you would have paid to buy the tranches on a regular basis. So let's use an example here. Supposing your portfolio is now worth $500,000, then the 0.1% MER now becomes 500 bucks a year, and the admin fee is capped at $600, so the total fees for personal investor account is 1100 bucks. In other words, 
the more you have in your portfolio, the admin fee is still fixed at 600 bucks. And that's really critical. Essentially, because you're buying a Vanguard product via personal investor account and you don't pay any brokerage, they're charging you this sort of admin fee, um, which you can sort of see that nothing is free in this world. So when they say brokerage is free, it's not really free. You're actually paying for it via this sneaky admin fee. Now, uh, this means that if you're an extreme dollar cost averager, say once a week or even twice a week, and you buy VAS, then it may make sense to use Vanguard personal investor account um, because otherwise the brokerage fees of using self-wealth or something like that may absolutely kill you, uh, if you if you use those external brokers because every time you buy something using self-wealth, for example, you have to pay $9.50 per trade. But the catch is um, the brokerage for Vanguard ETFs is free um, within the personal investor account. So, um, if you wanted to buy an external ETF or individual shares within Vanguard personal investor account, you have to pay a brokerage free. So just remember with Vanguard personal investor account, let me stress that if you bought a Vanguard product, my understanding is your brokerage is free. But if you bought a non-Vanguard product, then you still pay for brokerage. Now, the other catch is if you were to choose an unlisted managed fund option, such as an ASX 300 version of VAS, you still pay the admin fee of 0.2%, which is capped at 600 bucks. So if you're investing style, what funds you choose or ETFs you choose will determine whether Vanguard Personal Investor works out well for you. Now, to me, I just don't see any reason why anyone would buy a unlisted managed fund using Vanguard personal investor account because of that admin fee. But if you're buying an ETF and you're an extreme dollar cost averager by investing regularly, like once a week or twice a week, then it may make sense for you to use Vanguard personal investor account. So you need to work out your cost basis um, when you log in and use your Vanguard personal investor account. So, And it really depends on your investing style, and again, what funds you choose, what ETFs. But here's the deal though, don't wait to invest and just get paralyzed by the analysis. Pick a broker or fund that fits in with your investing style and start investing early. There are so many people out there that that I've chatted with and contacted with who are sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash who are just constantly doing their figures and their sums and trying to minimize their cost. You know, your cost of 0.1% versus 0.2% or even 0.3%, that is not going to be your barrier to retiring comfortably with, you know, multimillionaire or whatever it is that you want to achieve. That is not your barrier. Your barrier is if your cost basis and your expense ratios are more than 1% in total. So just use 1% as a golden standard to try and minimize your cost. If you have costs greater than 1%, then you're in trouble. If you have cost less than 1%, that's generally considered what you should be aiming for. So in other words, don't be wasting time worried about your 0.05 or 0.1 or 0.2 or 0.3% expense ratio. That is, you know, in the long term and in the grand scheme of things, you know, 
it may end up costing you an extra $10,000 or $20,000 after 40 years. I don't think that should be your focus. So investing a set percentage of your after-tax income, you know, time and time again, doing it um, for the long term is what is going to get you to a financial independence. And time and time again, it's not your investment returns or your fees that's going to completely kill your wealth accumulation. It's when you start and it's how much you save and how much you invest. So your savings rate is far more important than your investment returns or even some of your fees. So refer to episode 116 where I talk about this if you're interested on the science and the data behind this. It, it just is staggering. Now to the concept of automation. Now the old Vanguard system, which is what I'm part of, allowed you to automatically set payments via BPAY and NetBank straight into your unlisted managed fund. Um, if you held an ETF, you still needed to automate the payments into your brokerage account, like SelfWealth, for example, and then log into your brokerage account and invest it manually. Now, uh, the first part of this, that is putting money into your brokerage account, that can be automated. But the second part, which is investing it, generally can't be automated. Although there are some companies out there that are really looking into this space and trying to have an automated system. Now, this is also the case with Vanguard Personal Investor Account. So if you did have it, um, where you can basically automate your money from your net bank straight to the Vanguard Personal Investor Account, then you need to log into your Vanguard Personal Investor Account and then buy the specific ETFs that you want to buy. Now, I think that's a big fail from Vanguard, to be honest. Um, so Vanguard, if you're listening... Um, you know, I think you need to bring on the feature of automation to all the people that use your service because, you know, other companies like Perla, for example, are offering this, uh, but they're a relatively newcomer and they're a small company, so I'm not that familiar with them. But uh, for a company like Vanguard that has, you know, in my opinion, some good products and and um, and and they're a well-established international company that have a good reputation focused on low-cost index fund investing, to not have automation with their new service is, I think, a big fail. Um, so let's use an example of how you can partially automate your investments using Vanguard Personal Investor Service. Amy earns $2,000 per fortnight after tax and wants to get started with investing. Using the 20% pay yourself rule, she's ready to invest $400 per fortnight. If Amy invests per fortnight, she will invest 26 times per year. Suppose she chose to do this using a broker like SelfWealth, which charges $9.50 per trade. The cost of brokerage over the year will be 26 times $9.50, which is $247. But it may be better to accumulate $400 per fortnight and invest quarterly, a sum of about $2,400 per quarter, because the brokerage is still a flat $9.50. The good thing here is, brokerage is cheaper over one year. But the bad thing is Amy may miss out on dips during the three months if she invests quarterly. But realistically, if Amy is investing for 40 years, it doesn't really matter. Suppose she chose to invest using Vanguard Personal Investor Account. There is no brokerage fee if she chose to invest in a Vanguard ETF. She will pay the same MER of the said ETF, 
and she will pay an addition a 0.2% administration fee capped at 600 bucks as an additional fee that year. And she can invest as many times in that year as she wishes. To automate it either way, she would set up a BPay into the brokerage account or the Vanguard personal investor account, $400 per fortnight. And this can be done via any net bank. And then log in to personal investor or her brokerage account and manually invest that amount in set intervals. Unfortunately, Vanguard does not allow new customers to sign up to their old system, which is the retail and wholesale fund, which is what I'm part of. So they can't kick me off anymore. But does it really matter? In my view, it doesn't really matter. The most important thing, especially in Amy's case, is savings rate. Then the other thing is to get started early and be regular and do it forever. Now, let's extrapolate Amy's situation now to year 10. How will her cost of investment defer? And let's use VAS as an example, which is an expense ratio of 0.1%. Suppose if she used self-wealth the whole time, at the end of the 10th year, if she invested every fortnight, her brokerage cost is $2,470 over 10 years. If she invested every three months, her brokerage cost is only $380 over 10 years. Notice the investing frequency matters if using external brokerages, if buying Vanguard ETFs. The total cost of the ETF, such as VAS, would be $873 over 10 years, and this is the management fees, which is to be taken out by Vanguard for their VAS ETF. So it's pretty cost-effective. The total cost, including brokerage for Amy, will vary from $1,253 to $3,343, depending on her investing frequency and investing style. Suppose she used Vanguard Personal Investor Account instead of using an external brokerage firm the whole time. At the end of the 10th year, the number of times she invests per year doesn't matter because brokerage is free. Admin fees will be 0.2% in portfolio, which is $1,740 over 10 years. And the MER will be $873, and this is just a constant. So the total cost over 10 years for her will be $2,613. Notice that Vanguard Personal Investor Service becomes cheaper if you invest more frequently, but more expensive if you invest less frequently. For me, I invest up to 50 to 100 times per year, sometimes more, easily. So it works out more better for me to choose the unlisted managed fund version of VAS. And also, I'm, part of, also, uh, I'm not part of the v, uh, Vanguard Personal Investor Account. So I only pay the 0.16% MER ratio. But more importantly, the peace of mind of automation is phenomenal. And for me, that is the biggest value that I cherish with that particular investment style. So I suggest you do your sums and work out what is your investing style, investing frequency. There are calculators out there that help you do this. And these sums that I've made for today's podcast is rough calculations, very back of the envelope. So make sure you check the figures yourself. So that's about it for this episode. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be using, or leave a five-star review on all platforms. That's even better. So please leave a positive review. And in that theme, here is a review I found on Apple Podcasts from MGDHDDJIK, who says, very well-balanced and interesting, loved the electric car episode. 
Now, thank you very much for the feedback. Um, the more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to the podcast. So please keep them coming. Now, as for the electric car episode, well, just a bit of an update on my Tesla. I drive a Tesla Model 3 Standard Range Plus, if you didn't know. Um, I've now done over 90,000 kilometres in my Model 3, and it's just been paying for itself over the time. Uh, I've loved using it. Uh, it's not a perfect car by any means, but it's a great car. And if you are in the market for a new car, particularly in the state of Victoria, I understand they are having some EV incentives. I would highly recommend considering an EV as your next car. And a lot of people worry about range, and that's probably the number one question that I get about my Model 3. I drive about 180 to 250 kilometers per day. And for me, range has not been an issue. Even after 90,000 kilometers, I get a rated range of between 351 and 364 kilometers. And most Australians don't drive that much. I drive probably more than 90% of most you know, regular Australians. And I drive on all sorts of roads, country roads mainly, and it just handles it very well. And for me, I use autopilot all the time because I do a lot of freeway driving and I just flick it on autopilot, which is, you know, not really autopilot. It's sort of auto steer and braking and acceleration. And uh, it's just been a blessing in disguise because I'm able to have less fatigue. Uh, ironically, I don't lose concentration on the roads and um, it's just a very effective system. Now, one of my colleagues who recently bought a Tesla Model 3, which uh, which initially he was a bit hesitant about, he test drove the Mercedes and the BMW equivalents. And hands down, the Model 3 autopilot system, the basic autopilot system, hands down, uh, is a much more effective system than your Mercedes or your BMW. So what he did was he drove from Ballarat, um, which is, uh, you know, a country town just out of Melbourne, about 100 k's out of Melbourne, got onto the freeway, put it onto autopilot, and he didn't need to do anything until he got to the Greensboro exit, which is more than 100 kilometres. So that is a very effective system. So, I mean, I, I bought the car because it's cheaper for me to drive an electric vehicle than it is to drive an ICE car because of the amount of driving that I do and the, the cost of petrol was just rising. But uh, the added features of that is that you get once a month updates. The car just improves itself. Every time I drive it, it feels like new. And after 90,000 Ks, I still haven't done a service. Um, I've, I've changed the tyres once. Uh, after about 80,000 kilometres. Um, and I'm just probably going to change the um, air filtration system, which is around 80 bucks, I think, Tesla quoted me. But I haven't really done any service. So again, there are some unexplained cost savings. Um, I think if you're looking into an EV, you need to factor in the uh, efficiency of the car you need to factor in the lower costs of driving it, that is the petrol costs. You need to factor in almost no servicing. Now, the average ICE car needs servicing every ten to 20,000 kilometres. With EVs, you don't need to service them at all, really. And that's been an added savings, an unanticipated added savings, actually, to be honest. 
Um, I knew that servicing costs were significantly lower, but I didn't expect to have no servicing now at over 90,000 kilometres. So uh, just a bit of an update. I thought um, that might interest this particular listener who left this feedback. Now, remember to leave uh, a feedback on DevRaga Facebook page and follow me on there and shout out to questions and comments or topic suggestions. Share this channel with family and friends uh, via Apple Podcast, Anchor App, CastBox or all major uh, podcasting platforms. And remember, always pay yourself first. Take 20% of after-tax income and put it aside. That is your money because you're the most important person in your life. ETFs, index funds, personal investor accounts, brokers, learn about it, get educated, start investing, do it regularly and do it forever. This is Devraga Personal Finance episode 117. And as always, please make sure you stay safe.